ECA is proud to bring you this podcast series, Access, Participation and Positive Outcomes, Inclusion in Early Childhood. This series is co-hosted by Janet Williams-Smith, ECA's General Manager for Inclusion, and myself, Shay Halen, ECA's General Manager for Professional Learning, featuring subject matter expert guests. Together, we will draw on our experiences and professional perspectives on some of the key obstacles educators face around embedding inclusion in the early childhood education and care sector. Through sharing insights and drawing on stories of lived experiences, we hope this podcast will assist you in feeling more confident to develop inclusive strategies and support a strong community rich with diversity. Early Childhood Australia acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands, rivers and seas upon which we walk, work and live. We pay our respect to Elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have been nurturing and teaching children on country for many thousands of years. We respect and honour that history and we seek to walk together into the future. Thank you everyone for joining us again for this episode in ECA's Inclusion Podcast. I'm joining you here on Ngunnawal Lands and following our previous episode, this episode will delve a little bit more deeply into bilingualism where we'll be discussing practical ways to ensure everyone feels they belong. I'm pleased to welcome back the wonderful Jo Grimmond, who herself is a Aboriginal woman of the Darug people. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, Shay. And I'd like to also acknowledge the UN country where I am coming from today as a proud descendant of the Burrurugal clan of the Darug people. Now, Joe, I'm thrilled that we are going to be speaking about bilingualism again. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more of the stories of your time in early childhood and how that's informed inclusive practices through embracing bilingualism. In our last episode, Joe, you spoke a lot about the barriers that can exist for families who speak multiple languages. And I'm keen to talk about how we can create an environment to feel a sense of belonging and safety and how we can encourage those within it to share their language and culture. So when thinking about this question, it takes me back to when I first moved to a small regional area of New South Wales that was rich in Aboriginal history and culture. Um, However, at the centre where I I started working at, there was minimal attendance of Aboriginal families. And I had not learned about my own Aboriginal history at the time and was just starting to connect with it on, on a more personal level. I started to question why that was the case, that there was very minimal attendance by Aboriginal families. And I started learning more about the history of the town and and I found a way to connect with the local community members and one being a grandparent of a child that attended the centre. I then went on this remarkable journey to connect with the local Aboriginal community and local schools where the local Durga language was being taught in the schools. Local community language teachers came and they taught the language to the children at the centre and the language was starting to become more 
more visible throughout the service as well. And we used it in our environments. We used it with the children. We used it in our conversations and during stories. We found out more about the local Aboriginal stories as well as local landmarks and their true names. I also organised the grandparent who did the cultural talks at the local primary school to actually come and talk with our team about the history of the area. So we could really connect on that deep level. She taught us more about the local Aboriginal culture. It was just amazing. We started embedding the culture in our environment more and more in our interactions, how we displayed written language and artwork. And this really helped shape a culture within the environment with a true sense of belonging. And what happened then was that more and more families arrived. They felt culturally safe and felt their culture around them. And that culture was truly respected and included. So the first steps I, I took was essentially to connect with the local community. Joe, the point that you raised there about understanding the context really ties in beautifully with some of the conversations that we've had in other episodes in this series. And our listeners will be hearing a recurring theme of understanding the context and how important that is for fostering an inclusive environment. I imagine, though, they're really holding out to hear about some specific strategies that you can share with us on how to support children and families and educators to share their language with their learning community. Really does come down to building those strong foundational relationships with families in the first place by taking the time to connect with them, get to know them, build your own knowledge about their uniqueness and show genuine interest in them. To also be in tune with the child and show genuine interest in them. When we take the time to develop these really foundational relationships and show that we really are truly interested in building our knowledge as well they will definitely feel comfortable to share their culture with us in our environments. Also, it's helpful to find out about the family's unique family rituals or routines that they care about. It's basically all about showing genuine interest. When we show this genuine interest, we are giving those clear messages of inclusive practice. When we champion and celebrate differences and diversity within our environment, we are sending those messages of inclusive practice as well and inclusivity as a whole. Do you think, Joe, that educators within spaces should also be encouraged to share their language? Well, I think about my experience in Canada for this question. It really comes down to showing that genuine interest in each other, celebrating diversity in our everyday, learning from each other building our own knowledge and uniqueness of our teams and seeing that in itself, that as a true strength, that uniqueness is a true strength. When I think about the Australian Centre, where I saw those over 20 languages spoken, I think about how the leaders champion the individual diversity in the team. They play critical roles in building relationships with the families and in particular settling in children who spoke the same language. So those really important relationships that we build when those children are first starting with us. The use of language to connect was a really important strategy that particular centre used. They were championed as really important role models of inclusivity and they saw their roles as important as well. So it really comes down to building that unique culture within your service and celebrating each other's unique strengths and diversity. I think it's important for us to acknowledge also that some of our colleagues and families may feel a little bit hesitant to go down this pathway of inclusion with us because of their own experiences of discrimination and racism as a result of bilingualism. And this makes me think 
about my own experiences as a teacher with very young children who are not yet verbal and the fear that their families had for them and wanting them to speak English and sometimes to the exclusion of their other languages. I think based on the family fearing that their child may also face the same sort of racism and discrimination as a result of being bilingual. And I've had lots of conversations with families about that and, you know, how we can support their child to grow up and develop their language skills, including multiple languages. I can imagine that our listeners have probably also encountered this and are thinking, okay, Joe, well, you're telling us to talk to families and to our colleagues about their culture, but what if they don't want to engage with us? And I think, Joe, it might be helpful for us to wrap up this episode with some really clear and tangible strategies for our colleagues out there in services in Australia and how they might start this journey. I think when we return to the conversation around relationships, I can never undersell that and underestimate the importance of developing genuine interest in people. And when we do that and we invest in the time to do that with our families, to get to know them in their uniqueness, their strengths, what they have to offer as well. I just remember one circumstance where I had a family, a Sri Lankan family actually, who attended our service and and the both children were quite shy, but they had a, a real distinct interest in music. So what I did was use that to to break down the barriers of and establish some relationships. So we got them to, to teach us some songs in their language and then that developed their confidence and then their family saw that we were embracing their culture and it just snowballed from there. So I just think it's little steps in the beginning, but then being open and ready to invest the time to get to know what's going to work for different individual families as well and what they need to feel included in our environments. You're absolutely right, Joe, and it may just be those really simple messages of we see you we value you and we want to know more about your language and your culture and that's going to enrich our environment. It may just be those messages that give people the confidence to share and and open the door to us, including them in meaningful ways. Thanks, Joe, for sharing your time and your knowledge with us again. I know there are many listeners out there who may not have considered the importance of connecting with families who are bilingual and the various different ways that we might ensure our environments are inclusive for children and families who speak multiple languages. In our next episode, we will be speaking to the lovely Nicole Tallarico about the importance of play and how we can harness play to support inclusion. You've been listening to Access, Participation and Positive Outcomes, a podcast about inclusion in early childhood. The copyright of this podcast is owned by Early Childhood Australia and all rights are reserved. The ECA podcast is available anywhere you might listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Stitcher, Overcast and Pocket Cast. <laughs>